Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had a... Well, welcome back, Stacks and Jackson. I guess we're on. SP <laughs> Future's up five, Nancy Future's up 14. We have a, well, one thing to report until we get Kevin on the line here is, uh, Carl, uh, not Carl, uh, uh, Lou yesterday was talking about the people in, uh, in Europe not, um, coming up with all this money for Ukraine, and it turns out in the last year or so, they actually have. So he sent us a kind of a, uh, him bad the last six months. Actually, in the last six months or a year, the, uh, people of the European continent has actually given, Ukraine is equal or more than we have in terms of uh, in terms of money. So, the uh, I guess that's a that's a good thing. But anyway, yesterday was very odd day. Anybody who was watching the market, which I you know I think a lot of listeners do, obviously. The uh, for some reason we came out with a the, the last edition of the GDP for the third quarter, which is never really a market mover, but it came in at like three point two percent versus a two point nine or eight for the one before. I've never seen that move the market very much, but that plus another piece of good news, and now we're, we're constantly in this. Whenever you're messing with the Fed, I, I just have never thought it was healthy when we're in a good news is bad news and bad news is good news type of environment. I just, it's never worked out okay. The, oh, the, uh, it's never really worked out okay, but maybe this time, who knows. Um, Kevin, how are you? Hey, good morning. Um, look, I, I, I got to start right off. Um, I, I think we've been letting our, our listeners down. Um, well, we, we always to discuss an important topic. I saw a commercial last night. It opened with, why is everybody talking about nasal irrigation? And it dawned on me that if everybody's talking about it and we haven't even brought it up on the show. That is nasal irrigation. Um. Nasal irrigation, yeah, I think we have to have a conversation about nasal irrigation. Uh, well, everybody they have machines that just kind of pump stuff into your nose. How does it come back out? Or I they, have they no sh- idea. Do they shove it in your lungs and hope you cough it out or sneeze it out or something? <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Oh, God. Uh, 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 I'm telling you, you know, when I, when it, when I hear that, uh, you know, so, sometimes when these commercials open up with it, with it, why is everyone talking about nasal irrigation? Sort of reminds me of when I lived in Milwaukee and a local jeweler, uh, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, why is everybody talking about uh, nasal irrigation? They're not. Why uh, the, the jeweler? You know, um, looking at diamonds together is a, is a great way to spend, or looking at diamonds is a great way to spend time together, even if you're not ready to take that that uh, that big step. I'm sitting there going, no, it's not. No, <laughs> don't open with that. It's not a good way to spend time together. 
Well, you know, it's a uh, my. Uh, I, don't, I suppose I'm not the, <coughs> the only male who has this discussion with their significant other every once in a while, or Audrey will say something like, "Well, let's just go look at like you know houses on on, <laughs> on you know God knows where in Kenny Bunkbar or someplace," and I'll go. Wait a minute, we, we can't afford a house. Why would I want to look at something I have no intention of ever buying? Or or, or whatever? Or if I decide I like one, that's even worse. <laughs> well, let's just go look. No, no, let's not just go look. You know, I don't know. Yeah, but she's she's a realtor. The, my mom yeah. was the same way. and She just, you know, going to look at open houses was just a, her idea of a fun day. Oh, I know. Plus, we have to watch all the... God, whoever the, the, the mope was who put all these, uh, uh, you know... Lakefront bargain properties in, in you know Indiana and Michigan or or, or go coast properties on the coast of Carolina, and then we get one and then we we'll remodel it. God, we watch that stuff all the time. I actually am interested in the construction part, so I get some ideas. But God bless. I mean, and she, but then I guess she, you know, she's a certified stager and stuff, and uh, she gets her ideas doing that. I mean, I, yeah, she's that? a pro, and that's, yeah. that's part of being a pro. So um, you know, I, I get that. Uh, <laughs> But but no, I'm not looking at diamonds together, and no, I haven't been talking about nasal nasal irrigation. <laughs> Did you ever go in a uh, a diamond uh, whatever you want to call them maker doer diamond store? It's, it's oh, you mean a place where they cut them and set them and all that? Yeah, and stuff? polish them and stuff. It's 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 absolutely fascinating. My we went to quick story. We went to uh, one of the guys used to work for me. This is ninth. This is January of. Uh, 88, I think. So he, evidently, in, in uh, well, he was his wife is from uh, Denmark. She actually was a a swimsuit model. She was in that that uh, Sports Illustrated, but Inside Sports had kind of a competing one for a while. She was in Inside Sports. She's like six foot, beautiful girl, very nice. Annalisa, Annalisa, and uh, so he's getting married over in Denmark, and they met in Amsterdam. So he says, "Okay, we're gonna we'll fly to Amsterdam, show you all my old haunts." Uh, you know, and then we'll drive to Denmark. I said, well, isn't that kind of a ways? Oh, yeah, we get to drive 90 miles an hour. Okay, well, that's that's cool. So we get a Volkswagen Rabbit, and we've got three huge guys in there. On the way back, we had four. And I mean, driving that thing at 90 miles an hour, what a death trap. And, uh, so anyway, in Amsterdam, one of the guys, this real big, huge guy, this is back when people were, are uh, poking their ears and putting like a diamond there, even the guys. Mm-hmm. So the guy's name is Larry. So he goes, let's go to one of these diamond merchants. Kevin, the place looks like a small little like record store, but uh, there's no records. But the place is loaded with turntables of every. There's like thirty of them, and I'm going, what in God's name? Evidently, that's how you polish a diamond. You you put it in the the where the needle is, and you put it down on the turntables, and there's like thirty different grits, and you gradually go from turntable to turntable to polish the diamond. And the and the little thing he turns it to the next. How many sides are on the diamond? What are they, how many sides are on the diamond? And there's a name for that. I don't know what it means, but so if it's the regular one that looks like a well, it looks like a diamond. It's not the one that looks like a teardrop or whatever. It they just the thing will turns it, polishes, it, turns it, polishes. Then you go to the next one. It's it's really a, but the store is like the size of my office. Well, then the guy says, "Well, what are you looking for?" I'm looking for a diamond for my ear. <laughs> okay, and I'm sitting there. <laughs> Larry's this big, huge dude. Back when we were all skinny, he was 270 pounds. A big man. He's a huge man. So we sit down, and the guy pulls out this little, this little like uh, you know those, those little metal things that sort of have a little lock on them, but they're you know there's not much of a lock. 
people have them in their house, you know, sometimes for their spare keys or something. Anyway, so the guy, all in there's like, oh, 30, yeah, I know what you're there's like about. 30 little envelopes in there. So he goes, uh, and it's, there's this thing of black uh, velvet, right? So the dude pulls, oh yeah, how about like an eighth carat? Well, he pulls out an eighth carat, dumps like 30 of them out of this little, little, little tiny, just a little uh, envelope like you'd use for uh, a keys or something. He dumps them out. <laughs> these little diamonds are sitting there, and I'm going, Ew. So Larry goes, I don't, know, I don't think those are big enough. All right, so he scoops those up. Well, why don't we try, like, uh, the next one is, like, three-thirds, you know, uh, it's, like, another 30-second up carrot. Ah, those aren't, like, big enough. Well, finally, you get to, like, but the guy's entire wealth is in this little box. And, and every little one of these uh, brown paper envelopes is the different size diamonds going up to, like, the back end was, like, a carrot and a quarter or something. I don't know how many were in that. We never got that far. So he ended up, I don't know if he ended up buying one of the one of the quarters or uh, what's below the quarter, like a 5 sixteenths or, a, no, it would be 3 sixteenths. At some point they start calling them chips. Yeah, and, uh, so, I mean, and of course now, but the little ones, I mean, the eighth carat didn't cost didn't cost very much at all. Well, then, I mean, they go up, you know, sequentially. Like a half carat is way more than twice as much than a quarter carat. But just seeing all these little phonograph things, like going around and around and going, and there's all kinds of those things in the, those little stores in Amsterdam. I mean, that's the diamond capital of the world, isn't it, or something? It was just, it was just weird. But uh, anyway, and, and all this conversation just from uh, nasal irrigation. Yeah, yeah. But you, you know, if you if you don't know an industry, that's why everybody's talking about them. It's a good conversation starter. Well, you know, it's nice to have you have your whole whole inventory you can put in a, in a little box. <laughs> but I, I can't imagine what the value of that box was. There's no security. Well, the, yeah, the good news is you can get your whole inventory in a small space with a you know a high value inventory in a small space. The bad news is if you get robbed, <laughs> yeah. your whole damn high value in, uh, inventory is easy to uh, uh, to take away. But there was no there was there was no security. There was no guard. There was nobody with a gun. It was just two of us, us two mopes sitting there with this guy. You know, it was kind of a, kind of a different world. But uh, anyway, it was it was fun hacking around uh, Amsterdam, but. Anyhow, uh, I was talking before you came out. I was talking about the market yesterday. We had some good news in the GDP and uh, a couple other minor good news stuff. You know, some sentiment numbers or something. And uh, all of a sudden, we're down. We're down like 115 points in the spoos after a big. You know, we, we've been down forever. Suddenly, when uh, and where are we? We're Thursday on Tuesday or Friday on Wednesday. We had this nice rally for the first time. All of a sudden, yesterday we give up twice the rally. I'm like, what in God's name? Are we, are we going to be on like 200 spoof points here? I mean, it looked like there wasn't a buyer anywhere. And all of a sudden, uh, about 2 o'clock, we, we were very fortunate. We did all our, all our rolls. I mean, we, we, had a, a put, we had some puts for people in the queues, the QQQs, which is the NASDAQ 100. And we, we rolled them down 5 bucks, which is a lot. And so my brother calls me and he goes, you know, we should really roll these down another 5 bucks. And I go, well, go ahead. Let's, you know, it, it, it's... It's bizarre the stuff that you do routinely in a in a in our position. Uh, my my opinion on the market hasn't gotten any better. It's the same as everybody else's. You win one, you lose one. But but all our, every one of our routine trades, Kevin, has been working out. If it's down, we, we get longer. If it's up, we get shorter. And it so all of a sudden we roll it down another five bucks. I don't think we've ever rolled ten dollars in a day. I mean, uh, I, anyway. So all of a sudden we rally back halfway. So if we rally it all today, all of a sudden instead of being mopes, we're heroes. You know. Uh, it, it is it is stunning. I, I don't know how we have a couple people that that people trade through or not trade through. They trade through us, but they're, they're newsletter writers and stuff that they follow. And they, uh, you know, these guys are they're going to go long here and go short there. 
man, Kevin, they're, they're having the roughest time ever. I mean, it, this, the market is just not not behaving technically. It's not behaving fundamentally. It's just it's just bizarre. And some of these stocks actually had one client yesterday wanted to, wanted to average down on their on their Tesla. I'm going. Tesla is down seven hundred and seventy three billion dollars in market cap this year. Kevin, that 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 used to be five companies worth of worth of equity. Now it's and, and you know they they're down. <laughs> They're down from 400 to where the hell they closed. They're actually up a little bit. They're down from 400 to like 126. That's massive cash. The only thing I can think of is since we're not seeing massive, well, we probably are underneath the scenes. I mean, I don't. There's one thing I don't get a really good view of this because, uh, fortunately, at PTI we don't really have people like that. When I say people like that, people who just buy five stocks, buy it on margin. Hope for the best, and if they, if it goes up, they buy more because now they have more. I really don't have anybody like that, so it's hard for me to view. I mean, if I was at a at a Charles Schwab or someplace where I mean they or thinker, I don't know about thinker swim, but some of the other places that that that's that's their clientele, and that's where they make all their money is on that interest. Uh, but the that's uh, not us, so it's it's hard for me to really good good read unless I go to the uh, the Finra or the New York Stock Exchange margin stuff and look at that. Because I, there's got to be people that are getting margin called every day here. I mean, unless you were, you know, the only thing I think of, Kevin, is we, we ran up so fast the last couple of years that people didn't either through some common sense or just they didn't have a chance to or because of COVID they, didn't, they, they weren't buying stuff. Normal, I mean, not normally. A lot of times you'll see people that if they buy a stock, you know, buy, put in a half a million dollars, right? And they buy stocks, whether they borrow them or not, all of a sudden the stock doubles and now they've got, you know, a million dollars worth of stock, you feel flush. It's it's like it's like your housing your housing value going up and getting a second mortgage and paying off your credit cards or buying a boat or whatever you're gonna do. Uh, generally, p- you know, people start picking away at this. You know, I've had clients in the past that picked away a real lot, and when the stocks went back down, they were they were in trouble. But this, uh, I don't I don't know that that happened as much, and maybe that's the reason why, even though some of these very popular stocks have dropped dramatic amounts of money. Is in like the trillions of dollars, and I don't, I don't really see the panic that I would, I would have expected. I don't know. Do you, do you have any read on that? Just some, uh, from what you hear from me. On no, the show? I, I don't, I don't see the panic. But I also, you know, when you talk about uh, why why the market is not behaving the way uh, it's commonly expected, maybe it's because people have started to figure out that the numbers that we get on the economy on just about anything are such a crock that. Um, that they're starting to do their own homework again. Well, that I, I just, but I'm saying the borrowing part. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really sense. I mean, Nancy's talked about it. I mean, uh, well, she had a couple of people that <laughs> borrowed against their house for Bitcoin. I hope those guys are in one piece, but maybe not. Uh, but he, I, don't, I don't, I don't sense like everybody borrowing against the, their their home price in like buying a boat. I mean, maybe it was the COVID that people aren't spending on the other stuff as much. I mean, I don't know, Kevin. There's, I remember it was it was in 2008, 2009 when the market was way up, or certainly in 2000, everybody was taking everything they could out of their out of their home price. I mean, everybody, if your house was worth two hundred thousand, then it was worth four hundred thousand. You couldn't wait to get a hundred thousand out of there and buy something and pay off your credit cards, right? And then, oh, by the way, start using your credit cards again. I don't, I don't, I don't sense that much of a of that happening as much this time. I don't know if it's loan loan rules or whether people just have a little more common sense or. Uh, could, or just because of COVID, they just didn't do it. 
I mean, they were days. Uh, but you know, you're starting. Obviously, you are seeing credit card balances flying up. Is uh, is well, inflation it, it, when it when it comes to home loans? Uh, how how many um, you know in, uh, homes were purchased? You know, eighty percent loan to value or or whatever loan to value it was over the last couple of years on inflated prices. And you may not, you know, you you may very well have lenders who are unwilling to do like a lot of home equity yeah. loans or anything like that because. Last time around, they got holding the they were left holding the bag on so much property, you know, so many non-earning assets uh, that they had to sell for uh, you know pennies on the dollar at some point uh, just to get their liquidity back. That um, you know maybe maybe there was a lesson learned. We're not very good at lessons learned, but maybe maybe this time around there is a bit of a lesson learned. I, I wonder. I mean, I, I'm curious, and I'm not, I'll never get the answer to this question. I'm a, I'm going, to, I'm going to kick up a chart here of the spiders, for instance, and uh, the, you know we, we we did we had this massive. We, let me get the good chart, Kevin, not just the crummy old chart. I get the crummy old chart on my machine real easy, but it takes a second for the good chart. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go from one year to five year. And uh, uh, so five years, if, we, if we're talking uh, February of uh, 2020, which is basically when. Well, we started when when the COVID f- first hit. We first heard about it. The top of the market was two ten twenty, all right, and the, the S and P was three thirty seven. By by March twentieth uh, or so, uh, which was the day we well actually it was March sixteenth was the day before St. Patrick's Day. I'll never forget it, Kevin. Uh, we've got we we're, were down to uh, two twenty eight. So we already made a huge move down. When we were going to shut everything down, shut everything down. It was almost the bottom. So let's say you know 327. We run up to 475, when the market is basically, well, the economy is basically shut down. So you you know, I guess you could say, with with the money from the the Fed poured in, a chunk of it went in the market, right? So all of a sudden, we're pumping up prices of everything, including the market. We raised the money supply by 35 percent, which. You know, it's it's not intuitive to most people, even though I think people have heard me opine on this for so long on the show, you probably get a little bit of what I'm talking about. It's not the market going up 30%, 35%. It was the, it really was the, the dollar's value going down 35%, which is sort of the same thing. But you really don't get that feel unless you either were born in Europe or you took a bunch of dumb classes like I did. So so we basically we pile up to about 475, not quite. And now we're down to 381. So we're still, uh, you know, 40 points higher, 45 points higher than when, when this whole mess began. I don't, I don't think, Kevin, it normally, if you had a market run up 35% in essentially a year and a half, two years, people would be gleeful. They'd be taking out margin loans. They'd be doing, they'd be paying off their house. They'd be, they'd be doing everything. I mean, because people just do. Or, or by taking out margin loans to buy more stock. Because guess what? It's going up, right? So I mean, I don't, I don't sense the the the, uh, the level of panic or level of danger that normally, if if you were to if you were to say to me out of the blue, say this is what happened in X and X years, I'd say, wow, if this thing comes down, people are really really in trouble. And I don't think it's as general generally across the board as you would have expected. Kevin, that's a good thing. Or you think I'm, I just I'm not seeing it or what? I really, you know, I don't have an explanation for it. I don't, I don't have a sense of it just talking to normal people. Uh, I, I do, you know, I, 
I can tell you in, in the area where I live, there are enough people who have had hours cut and have had, you know, and have had layoffs or have know, know a lot of people who had layoffs that I think people have gotten very conservative um, in their consumer behavior. But that's not everybody. And, the, and you know, but, but it is showing up in, in macro numbers in the economy, too. Well, I mean, uh, seeing you know, you're seeing consumer spending not growing, and then when you when you account for inflation, uh, it, it's a major nosedive in terms of what they're buying. Well, I think people are, for whatever reason, are listening to, uh, I don't know, I'll use a racetrack term. They're listening to a bunch of touts. I mean, basically, the people on CNBC want you to send them money, and they're their only game. They don't they don't hedge anything, like we do. I mean, most of them don't. Some probably do, but. They, they, they basically are selling you the market and they're telling you to pay them a percent or percent and a half a year where, you know, literally you could open up an account at, if you just want broad market exposure without any, any management whatsoever, you can open, account, open up an account at Schwab, Merrill Lynch, PTI and just say, here's my account, here's 300 grand, put 100 grand in the Spiders, 100 grand in the Qs, 100 grand in Russell, or whatever, wherever you want to mix it up. You've got broad market exposure you don't have to talk to us for 10 years if you don't want to. You know, if you think it's going up, you just let it go up. Or once in a while, you send us some more money and say, buy some more. I mean, that's, that's all you have to do. You don't need... Yeah, that, that's your CNBC talks, Tom, but yeah. most people don't watch CNBC. Most people don't pay any attention to it. Well, I, I suppose. But, I mean, all you have to do is listen to any kind of commercial about money management and just give yeah, them... So you're going to get that on football games and things like that. Yeah. But, well, again, well, most well, people... It's just not an issue, you know. Their, their money goes into four hundred one k if it goes anywhere in the in the market. Well, then they have to decide what they want in there. Yeah, I, I got a quick story because after the break we got, we'll talk about these labor numbers and stuff before Carl. We plus we have all kinds of uh, sports stuff to talk about. The the the, uh, the, the new uh, negotiator, not negotiator, the uh, the guy who came arbitrator said that the the, the guy with the pitcher and the Dodgers can pitch again right away. Sort of interesting. Uh, but, I, but I had a story. I got a, had a guy who came to the, uh, we used to do all these seminars and pick when people actually were wanted to do all their own trading. So once every month or two, we from when John and I were on the score, we'd have a, a seminar and 30 people show up in the office and we'd get the world's best donuts. And it was a nice, I met some of the nicest people. And a lot of them were clients. And some of them weren't. And one guy, you know, I usually start out by saying, okay, why, why is everybody here? What does everybody want to learn? And one guy raises his hand instantly. He's in the front row. I want to. I want to learn how to short this market from somebody who's a pro because I just can't stand this market. It's going bas- basically in the crapo. And I said, okay, let's talk about that after get a couple more questions. And then I go back to the guy and I say, now you're short because I'm so short I can taste it. This market looks horrible. We've done this. We've done that. This probably was you know 2007 maybe. I'm sure he was probably right. But he get, he goes. Uh, I said, okay, so without. You know, spilling the beans to everybody here. What what kind of positions do you have now? Well, I got an account. We're gonna open up a PTI, and I want to be like short. And I said, all right, but your other stuff. What do you mean my other stuff? I said, well, the the, the money you're gonna open up here. I assume I'm assuming that's not all your dough. Well, no, I got this big 401k. And I said, okay, and what what do you got in the 401k? Well, I mean, the <laughs> you rattled off. It was uh, like the super long <clears throat> the. Uh, the, the, the regular S&P and, like, something else. I said, said, okay. And I said, you know, you do realize that you, you get paid last week? Well, yeah. 
I said, so some of your paycheck last week went in the market. Well, yeah. I said, so you're here basically pounding the table telling me how bearish you are in the market and how you want to get short, and yet you're as long as you possibly could be, and by the way, you bought yesterday. Well, I don't see how you look at it that way. <laughs> what do you mean? How do, why don't I, how do I look at it that I said, all you know is in the market and you're buying, yet you're bearish. I mean, and I... I mean, kind of looked at me like I had four heads, Kevin. It's like people segregate what they think is their long-term thing. I mean, I have—I must have talked to f- ten people a year and a half, two years ago, when we were running up in this COVID. And actually, before that, I said, "You know, you're up to—you're up—you're—you're you're about retirement age. You've got a million and a half bucks. You—you've made it. Shouldn't you look to protect us?" What do you mean? I said, "Well, you got to lock this in at like a million and a half. You, you can't have the market correct forty <coughs> percent." And you'll be back down to 800. <coughs> That's not enough. <coughs> Everybody's like, well, yeah, it probably is. And I said, well, but you need to do something. You can't just sit. Well, the market always comes back. Everybody on TV says, I said, it's not, it's not about them. It's about you. You're, you're the one who's, who's 65 and is not going to get another paycheck a month from now. Kevin, it's like talking to the wall. It's, it's scary. I don't, I don't know. These are intelligent people. I, I mean, why would anybody trust the market? Why would anybody... The market is, is terrific, and I love it. It's been my life's work, but it's, it, you can't trust it. You can't trust it. I mean, what if you were at, put your trust in Tesla, and you got this mope doing what he's doing, selling all his stock for another company, and things down, what, 70% this year? I mean, you can trust that guy? I mean, what what planet is everybody from, Kevin? Or am, I just, am I just missing the boat here? I've been, been nailed too, long, too many times or something. Yeah, you know, they're, they're from this really, really, really weird planet. It's called Earth. Yeah, I know. Let's go to break and come back to talk about other SP futures up 875, NASDAQ futures up 37. That's good because I'm nice and long for my clients. Well, who knows if it'll stay there. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 
888-888-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Mr. Andrew on the board. We've got Mr. Kevin with us as well. SP futures up 9, NASA futures up 37. So we're trying to do a little bit of a bounce again. Yesterday was a most bizarre day. We were actually up on Wednesday night. Came in and we were flat. And then all of a sudden, those couple of decent numbers came out, even though they were from a quarter a long time ago. And all of a sudden, we raced down like 115 in the S&Ps. And I'm going, man, oh, man, there's not that many people around. This could keep going. And all of a sudden, we bounced back to close down like 59. So we, we came back damn near halfway. This morning, we're up a little bit. But still, it was a real, it was a eye-opener yesterday during the day. When you're up to DAX, up 31.2%. FTSE up 6. Call that flat. Kick around down 13.2%. Uh, so nothing, nothing of consequence over there. We've got the Nikkei down 272. That's 1%. Hang Seng down 86.4%, but still in the middle 19,000. Uh, much safer and better spot than 14.5 like it was seven weeks ago. Shanghai down 8, that's 0.3%. Uh, as a way of review, yesterday Dow was down 348. You know what, and the weird part, that feels like up because it was down like 780. It got back to be down only 348. S&P down 56, it was down 116. NASDAQ down 233, that didn't come back near as much. Was maybe down 375, so they didn't come back half. They came back maybe a third to 40 percent. That was a full two percent. Uh, bonds up three basis points to 3.70. A uh, bond up three, 2.39. Japan un- back down to 0.38. So the spike up to 0.49. They're back down sort of in the middle of the new range now, from 0.25 to to 0.5. So, so they actually come down just a hair. Uh, oil is up again, down 97. It's two and a half percent, 79.46. Looks like it's trying to make it back to 80. Ran up a dollar 96, 82.94. Natural gas unchanged at, at five dollars even. And everybody's gas bills are seem to indicate a lot bigger high price than that. Five dollars is not that much. Our bob up four cents at 2.29. We've got gold bouncing back today up over 1800, up 10.50, 18.05. Silver up 33 cents, another pretty good bounce. That's one and a half percent. That's 23 dollars and 95 cents. Copper up three cents, 3.79. We have Bitcoin. Of ninety-seven dollars, but under seventeen thousand, sixteen, eight sixty-three, and we have the U.S. dollar uh, down just a hair. Uh, the euro is at one hundred six, and 
uh, British pound uh, at 121. So down just, like I said, just a little bit. Yeah, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports has a lot of stuff. All right, yep, it is uh, 637 here in Chicago on uh, December 23rd. Now, starting off with sports, uh, we got a lot to look forward to uh, for Chicago fans tonight. Uh, but starting out with football, last night the Jaguars beat the Jets, ended the game 19 to 3. But tonight we can look forward, or sorry, tomorrow we can look forward to the Bears playing the Bills tomorrow at 12 p.m. That's probably going to be a pretty chilly game if you're going there in person. And uh, now tonight the Bulls are going to be playing the kick the the Knicks at 6:30, and the Grizzlies will be playing the Suns at 9 p.m. Chicago time. Now, finally, for hockey, uh, tonight the Blackhawks will be playing the Blue Jackets at 7.30, and the Kings will be playing the Coyotes at 8.30. Now, for Chicago weather, it's pretty clear to see what's going on out there. It is cold, snowy, and definitely windy. Uh, we're at negative 10 degrees right now. We're only going to reach a high of 1 degree today. Uh, however, that's slowly going to go up over the day. First few hours are going to be a lot colder than the rest. Um, otherwise, in Phoenix, nearly the same as always. It's clear at 42 degrees, and they're going to have a high of 68. Uh, now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, things are generally slow around the expressways. Uh, maybe not a lot of cars, but if there are, they're not going very quickly. Uh, an accident earlier looks to have cleared up, so I think that's all I got for now. Well, there's not a whole lot of people. Like Kevin, the <laughs> brother was taken to Rock Island in yesterday, and they announced today we're going to have a holiday schedule. Everybody's shutting down. I mean, it's like, you know, this this is this is not a uh, a fun storm. For God's sake, it ended up being three inches of snow. I mean, yeah, it, I don't it, even think I got that much. Uh, we'll we'll continue to get lake effect over here, and sometimes that reaches as far uh, east as I am, uh, because it lake effect does come in uh, farther ashore on this side of the lake than it does on the Chicago side of the lake. Um, so, I, you know, I expect to see uh, lake effect snow over the course of the next few days. But it's really the temperatures and the blowing that has everybody worried. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the wind. It's, I mean, if it's, uh, I walked out at my place, and, uh, and it wasn't horrible, but then all of a sudden we were walking from the truck, and it was windy. It was much, much worse. I mean, it's not a, not a night to be homeless. Uh, but it's yeah, I think I'm going to probably, after, uh, after I listen to you and Carl, I'll probably go out and uh, clean up the snow here, uh, just so that because the temperatures are going to drop even more and it's going to be the worst job to do later than it is. It's, it's not going to be a fun job this morning, but it's not going to be, it's going to be worse this afternoon and evening. Well, I was actually looking at the, at the long-term forecast and I'm going to say this 10 below where we're at right now is going to be the low point of the month. My next Friday is supposed to be like 50. Yeah, we're, we're looking at a warm-up again, yep. So uh, we'll, 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 we'll get through it. I mean, obviously it hit the, the day where everybody's flying. Uh, that's not good, but what, what are we going to do if we ever get like a 25-inch storm or something or or a whole week where it's below zero like you and I have gone through? What, I mean, the, the, the hype on this, uh, people have nothing better. It's, I mean, it's all they talk about. You can't go anywhere without hearing it. People shutting this down. My, my health club closed down today. The, the building across the street. How do you shut down a building when it's when it's 10 below? I mean, it's not like it's 30 below. I mean, I, whatever. But uh, anyway, uh, yesterday was a, was a very interesting day in the market. We'll, be, we'll see if we come flying back. Today for this, what uh, we talk a lot about it with Carl and this this labor number and what everybody's talking about is the uh, Philly Fed came out and oh, I don't know where that became their job but they did they came out and I, I didn't dig in all the details I figured Carl would have more details than I could even find seems like they they think that they're the million jobs we say that we've uh, 
uh, we, the establishment survey says this year, and the president says every time he, he, can, he can get on TV, all he talks about is the million jobs this year, that maybe that's mostly fictional, uh, that there really aren't a million jobs this year. It's said about 10,000 um, uh, uh, instead of a million. I think it was uh, over the quarter. Was it the quarter or was it the... Uh, it was, uh, was, uh, was whatever it was. Yeah, whatever it was, it was. Uh, you know, it, it was only about ten thousand. So it, and, you know, Kevin, we we have talked you know, generally, and I, you know, and, and Hal Hal has opined in on this that it's not some grand conspiracy. It's just it's just a bunch of people working with kind of the same political winds, and they're just doing the same thing they always did, even though somewhat times have changed, and they're not smart enough or are not motivated enough to change stuff. And we, I mean, we've talked, you know. You and I have actually more than, than Hal and the rest of the guys about just the the I mean, how do you even take a survey now? I mean, uh, uh, they and evidently the Philly Fed uncovered all kinds of irregularities in that instead of forty percent of the people not answering the phone, what now seventy percent don't answer the phone, and if they don't answer the phone, they assume they have the same amount of people as last month. It, it's it's all just little bits and pieces of stuff, kind of in the in the process. I mean. And we're still calling people at their house. I mean, I don't know. I, I love it when people have a landline. They, they come in clear on the show. But by and large, a lot of people don't. So I don't even know how you call somebody's house anymore. And if, and if somebody calls me on my cell, I just I feel outraged because how did they get my cell number? I mean, so, I mean, I, just the whole... But there's also the notion of, you know, using adjusted numbers, too, and uh, adjusted versus unadjusted. So part of it is, yeah, establishment versus household survey and some of the skewing that happens there. But some of it is using the adjusted versus the unadjusted. And, you know, I had this uh, discussion not too long ago with a stats guy saying, why would you want to use the unadjusted? Then you're subject to the swings up and down of, you know, what really uh, does it. The adjustments smooth everything out. And say, yeah, but I can deal with the numbers as they swing up and down. You know, as Carl likes to say Christmas comes the same time every year, so we know what Christmas hiring looks like. But it, it, but it's more than that. And anybody who operates, you know, any, anybody who is, um, you know, in, in the operations part of a business understands that you're not adjusting numbers when you look at them because you need to understand the variance in the numbers as just, as, you know, way more than you need to understand what the average is. The average is, uh, the, the, only, the only use for an average in any kind of a statistical analysis is that it's a basis for computing other, other numbers like standard deviation. Um, and, and that's it. It has no other value to it other than it's part of a computation. And, uh, you know, then you, you plot things out on run control, you can you know, visually for, you know, forget any statistical tests you can do. Visually, you can actually look at, you know, charts year over year and have a pretty good idea of what's really happening. And when you go in and start putting in these adjustments to smooth things out, all you're really doing is you're skewing what's really happening, even if the adjustments are really sound and really good and they're, and they're really well intended, it's not helpful as far as I'm concerned. And yet the statisticians of the world who like this kind of stuff seem to think it's extremely helpful. Well, it's, I'll give a, two, two versions. One is if the Philly Fed actually came out with a year-over-year number, well, then the then the adjustments are are useless, right? Because the year's the same. There's no, it should all it should all even out over the year, correct? That's right. But I, 
there were there were times when I would. And I'm not going to accuse anybody of too much, Kevin, but there were times that if you just took the month-to-month numbers and not like the quarterly numbers or whatever, I'm going to say 10 years ago, I mean, when, it, when holidays, well, I shouldn't say this, when holidays were holidays and everything was, was, was walk-in retail. Men were men and holidays were holidays. Yeah, well, I mean, there was a bulge. I mean, if, if you didn't hire... That was, that's part of the when there men when, when yeah. men were men. But if you if you if you didn't hire, you know, two hundred twenty five thousand people in the last two weeks of November through the first two weeks of January, it wasn't the normal Christmas season. I mean, your Toys R Uses, your your Marshall Fields, your those kinds of places. Carson, they had all kinds of people that would go to work. And matter of fact, ladies come on the show, Robin, one of my good friends. She's a trader. She she used to go to work on the weekends at like uh, it was either Macy's or what was the other one. The one out of business got bought by Macy's. The uh, the other big department store in New York back in the day. Anyway, uh, that was the other one. You know you know what I'm talking about, Kevin. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't. Oh, uh, I remember. But she'd go to one of those because she loved talking to people. She worked on like a Saturday and a Friday night or something. And oh, by the way, she got forty percent off for all her Christmas gifts, and she was a big Christmas gift giver. So, so she thought it was the best deal on earth. She worked like fifteen days or whatever it was, enjoyed it, and you know whatever. So, and I think you got commission in those days, didn't you? Nordstrom, Probably, Nordstrom, depending on the yeah. depending on what you were selling. Yeah. Nordstrom's. Was the other? Oh, Nordstrom. Okay. And uh, so I mean, if, if so, if you were if you were just some some dummy, and, and you looked at the October number and looked at the December number, you'd go, "Holy bleep, Batman! <laughs> Look how many people were hiring!" But so it got to the point where I think Kevin, I read once where that that adjustment was either two twenty five or two fifty. So if you if you didn't if you hired two hundred and sixty thousand people in December, they would show you you hired ten because of the adjustment. Because that's what you did like every year, but you can't count them to be full. They're full time, but come January. So if you didn't plug in the two fifty, yeah, which is a great way to obscure whether there was really serious hiring this Christmas, or maybe because uh, you uh, people weren't as bullish that they didn't hire as many because you smoothed it out for them. Well, but now you also get to the point where I'm going to say from 25 years ago to 15 years ago, I don't have any problem with that. And all of a sudden. With the with the internet, of course, they hire people too. I mean, uh, <clears throat> it's not like uh, you know uh, United Parcel and these other people that hire people to deliver packages. They do, but it's somewhat all changed. So if, if you blindly use the same number you used twenty five years ago, you're probably not doing anybody a service, right? So many, now are people just too lazy to change? They don't recognize the change or whatever. I mean, I don't know. But I I, I think part of it is they they don't think. Um, you know, you use it, and you can always rationalize it by saying, "Well, if I if I change the mix, if I change the methodology, I lose the ability to compare year over year or or historically back farther than a year." And and I don't think that's true. That we have, you know, the the data and the database technology to say, okay, if I want to, I can go back and retroactively make the adjustments. Uh, or make you know, or gradualize the adjustments over time the way they should have been all along, and uh, and and make a, a relevant comparison that way. So you can have the numbers. Basically, you can have the numbers both ways. You don't have to look at numbers just one way anymore. Uh, you know, oh, you, know, you never did. It, you know, it used to be. It used to be that you were constrained. You were constrained by processing power. You were constrained by the limitations of where data technology
technology, uh, database technology was. But in a big data world now, we don't, we aren't constrained on those kinds of things. We have virtually limitless uh, computing capacity available to us, and we can transfer the data at high speeds, and we can crunch the data at high speeds. And there is no reason um, to to hold back on making adjustments to methodologies and uh, and and making retroactive comparisons as necessary. I'm gonna, I'm gonna and, and, and that doesn't mean you have to scrap the old numbers either. You can keep them too. I'm going to say one thing, Kevin: garbage in, garbage out. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if all of a sudden you, you you call people, you don't get them, and you just write and, down. And, and unfortunately, the garbage is some of the assumptions that they're using. Well, if you if, if you're if you're taking a poll of people and you don't find the people and you put the numbers down anyway, I'm going to say that's garbage. <laughs> Duh. Right. I mean, I, so I, I mean, I. I I, uh, I get the sense, and as you know, as we look at the labor numbers, I mean, again, I'm not looking at the table right now, but out of memory, there's the population, there's the people that are are in the in the labor force, there's the, there's the people that are available to work. Okay, there's the population, there's the non-institutionalized population, which is people over the age of 16 that are available to work. You know, some people are going to school, some people are retired, whatever. Then there's the people that are employed. Which is a big number. There's the people that are unemployed, which is a very small number because the definition is so narrow. It's people that are are uh, not working but are looking for a job, which they again have decided now. If you're receiving unemployment, the easy way of finding it now you're 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 looking. But if you go through your unemployment, what is that? Twelve weeks, Kevin, or whatever in normal times. I should know, but it's twelve or sixteen or something. You go through that, and all of a sudden you're still looking for a job and don't have one. You're not considered looking for a job anymore, even though they're because they're, they're not sending you a check, and they don't bother to call you and say, "Oh, by the way, Andrew, you're still looking for a job." They so then there's the third column or the fourth column, which is we don't know what they do, uh, be be retired students, whatever. And that number, that's the interplay between those three numbers are the ones that I always look at. So that number continues to grow. Now, are people in there sneakily working a part-time job for cash? Probably, maybe, I don't know. Are, are, are we buying stuff at, uh, at home sales and then selling them on the internet? Maybe, probably. I, you know, you know, is is there? Are we are we walking dogs for extra dough, even though we're supposedly retired and it's not being counted? You know, possibly. So it, it is. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do, Kevin. But if if you don't want it to be, if you don't want to be rigorous, you don't really want to know. And oh, by the way, if the numbers are turning your way, you don't really want to look. That's another whole story, right? Because if you if you looked at I mean, COVID obviously pulled people out, but if you listen to Trump for four years or three, and Biden now the last year or two, you'd swear we got so many more people working than we ever did. And the fact is, we don't. It's kind of the same number. So, you know, and some people are counted as working twice on the establishment survey, and then other people on a household survey uh, seems to be going the other way. So I, you know, I, I honestly, I honestly don't have a. Well, our girl uh, um, Angelica, she was. Um, working for Abbott Labs. Now, she told me a bunch of people are getting laid off. So I have no idea. I haven't talked to her, Kevin. Now, just a simple part, is, was she part of a, a group, because she does a code code uh, editing or something, um, when she went to class and learned how to do that. Bright girl. Really, I mean, not only is one of our best friends, she's a bright girl. Uh, so now, I don't know if she was part of a, a group. I, mean, I haven't really talked to her. She brought her mother from Ukraine, and they've been kind of Getting stuff together, getting her mother working, going to school and stuff. So, but uh, I don't know if she was part of a 
a group that went in to do some a project for Abbott, or she was actually an Abbott employee. So now, if, if she's a person who was doing a project for Abbott and part of that group, and they laid a whole group off, they're not counted anywhere, are they? Nobody's going to know whether she was laid off or the whole group was laid off until next January when when she doesn't you know when she doesn't get a 1099, or if she gets a job a week later with the same group doing something in another place, nobody's know that either. So I mean, there's always been holes in the system, right? Well, yeah, but and and that's fine. You can you can always account for that as if your counting methodology is consistent and it's solid, and it has to be both of those. Um, then you can do comparisons, and that's why I said when when it changes, then you have to find a way to apply consistency uh, back through time. Otherwise, the comparisons are meaningless. Well, yeah, but I mean, but it's all and, and you can. But every but year, Kevin. In the meantime, yeah, in the counting now, the, the counting methodology, you know, it, it, it's just like saying, well, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, um, you know, uh, people who are not looking for work. Well, it could be students going full time. And so you could have a debate. I, I haven't ever heard one, but just for, for argument's sake, you could have a debate about whether, well, maybe we shouldn't count full time students in, in, in our analysis. And the answer to me becomes, no, you account for them. You're always going to have a certain amount of, a certain number of students who are, you know, they're going to school full-time and they're not working. You'll get consistency in that unless there is a shift in the number of students who are actually going to work while they're going to school. Otherwise, you know, you say, okay, I accept that that's part of the number. And we aren't very, you know, we, we try to smooth a lot of that stuff that we don't want to accept this part of the number. We try to smooth it out of the analysis, and it, it's you know that now you're subject to uh, to really spoiling the data rather than uh, um, rather than having solid data, and it's self-inflicted. Okay, we've always had this. Actually, the name for it, my brother Dan. I was asking him yesterday. He read anything about the number, and Dan, you know, another bright guy. Well, of course, he is. He's president of PTI Securities. He said that a lot of what you're talking about is called the, the birth debt birth death indicator, where somebody, somebody, some group decides, and I'm t- talking about this a hundred times. If, if if all of a sudden right now I, I'm thinking that the 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 uh, the amount of uh, jobs that people are just getting, individual people or small companies that are deciding to build two and three houses in some places, right now is is on the downturn. I'm going to say that if you're uh, Audrey's having trouble, not having trouble, but the, the amount of people scampering to get houses that she might find, and she doesn't do very much of this, but a little bit of foreclosure or a, a house that really needs updating. She used to have three, four, five people. Couldn't wait to grab that thing for 125 grand, put 50 grand in it, and sell it for 225. You know, plus their labor, so they didn't really make 50 if you counted their own time. But still, it was a good business. Now guys are like, "No, nah, this stuff's too expensive. I don't trust the market." Uh, up here, and uh, you know, by the way, you're, I have to pay too much. So it's very difficult to to uh, calculate that because, like, some of these guys are maybe they might even some of the guys workers. It might be a guy runs his stuff, but it might all his workers might be say firemen, policemen, or other people that have another job and then they'll work on week. So he'll pick up hours from these guys. So people actually pick up a second job. Well, you're not going to know that until they get to 1099. So. When, when the economy is, is doing good, but there's somebody in, in government, it's called the birth and death. You try and estimate how many new businesses are springing up. So if, if uh, 
if PTI launched a, well, we already have a, a money management company, but if we didn't, and if we launched one in February, say, and, uh, and uh, you know, and all of a sudden we just paid people commission, which we don't, but if we did, uh, you know, a, a, a percentage of what they brought in and just paid them, you know, they were not even employees. I don't even know if you can do that, but say you could. Uh, and we did that in February, and all of a sudden, at the end of the year, we've got 10 people working and money's pouring in and all that kind of crap. Well, the government would not know that until then, until Dan sent the 1099s in, right, Kevin? Unless, unless it was so much dough that they started paying, you know, uh, uh, estimated. And then they'd probably get a clue on that. And, and if all of a sudden the next year we said, hey, this business sucks, and dump everybody, you're not going to know that either for another year, right? So, I mean, there's always been this estimate of, that's why when the economy is really is starting to grow and percolating along, in my opinion, it's always doing better than the numbers indicate. And when it's contracting and going the other way, like right now, they're going to hang on to some of these numbers, Kevin, but it, it sucks way more than it shows they suck. Or am I wrong? They're the suckiest sucks that ever sucked. <laughs> um, yeah, but again, there's, there's generally a fixed percentage of those. If the economy gets really bad then you might start to see a lot more independent contractors because there isn't any other kind of employment available there. But even that is something that they should be able to survey if they want to. I mean, Lord knows, look how much money they throw into these departments. Do you think that you could you could sort of say, well, if, if we think that's an important number, uh, rather than going with our best wild-ass guess, that maybe we could actually you know try and validate our data? Um, I, I, I would think so, but... What do you think? Just me being crazy. I know that's crazy talk. Well, you brought something up here with like thirty seconds left. What do you think the average overhead is in a government group? In a government, so if if you had twenty people, thirty people, I mean, this country is a big country. Say fifty people that actually were on this problem, like white on rice, and who were on this, and who actually knew who to call to find out if. How many building permits were, were done in this? Did a, a full country sample of new building permits, uh, remodeling permits, you name it. Uh, you know, houses that were bought at 150 and a year later were sold at 300. Obviously, some work was done. If somebody really dug into it, and how many how many firms were hiring groups of 10 people, 20 people, 300 people to come in and put all new systems in? They weren't their employees. If if you had 50 people that really were on that and knew what the hell they were doing. How many people do you think would be in the department? I'm going to say 500. Human resources people, this kind of people. Back up. I, I, I bet the government the government overhead is, is 400%, maybe 500, which is incredible. Well, you don't think they're efficient? No, I think, I think the, before they even start, they have to have human resources, this kind of group, payroll. By the time you get to the top, there's going to be five other people for every guy that actually does something. Be my, I mean, well, plus they're really good at layers in, in, uh, in oh, yeah. government. <laughs> you know, we, 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 everybody preaches flat org charts, but when I when I get in class and I want to show examples, I just go pull out government organization charts. One because they're readily available, and two because they're horrid. Oh God! <laughs> well, are you Christmasing in Michigan, or are you coming this way? Uh, I am not coming that way until next Wednesday evening, and my family and I are going to get together to uh, play bocce ball and have dinner. Good for you. Well, you come this way. Obviously, I want to see you. If not, well, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, it's been a good. Next year is going to be a better year. I have a feeling twenty twenty three is going to be better than this one. Why? Why am I? Well, Merry Christmas to you and to all the uh, um, uh, stocks and jocks team and to our listeners. All right, bud. 
Uh, SP Futures up 9, NASA Futures up 41. We'll be right back with Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Christmas is a bother. The noise, the crowds. I really wish it were outlawed. How can they talk about Santa Claus when there's so much unhappiness in the world? Poor misguided folks. They missed the whole point. Lots of unhappiness? Maybe so. But doesn't Santa take a little bit of that unhappiness away? Doesn't a smile on Christmas morning scratch out a tear cried on a Saturday? Not much, maybe. But what would happen if we all tried to be like Santa and learn to give as only he can give of ourselves, our talents, our love, and our hearts? Maybe if we could all learn Santa's beautiful lesson, Maybe there would finally be peace on earth and goodwill toward man. Hey, it's getting late, and I've got these letters to deliver. And you better be getting home, too. And remember, behave yourselves, because Santa can still look into his magic snowball and see just what you're up to. And now that you know all about him, you can be darn sure 
that comes snow or high water. Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. Nicely done, Andrew. I like that. That was a uh, car. We have we have Carl. You most certainly do. I think it's taken this long for Andrew to uh, warm up. I uh, I got him at the station this morning, and he looked like he was a, a man coming in, like the spy who came in from the cold. Well, he wasn't a spy. He was just Andrew. Well, you know, it's it, 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 I call them the weather guessers because that's what they are. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that when it comes to meteorology, there's basically two career paths. There's the people who have nothing to do with day-to-day weather forecasting, but what they're trying to do is study atmospherics and all of the different variables, because as I have opined many times, everything in the world, everything in the universe is deterministic, always. You take hydrogen and oxygen, you're always going to get water, and you're always going to get the same amount of energy out of it when the two of them combine. That's, that's, that's an absolute physical fact. That's, you know, that's physics and chemistry, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, so whenever you observe something going on, whether it's medically, whether it's in climate, whether it's weather, whatever, and it doesn't look deterministic, in other words, you make a prediction, you say, this is going to happen, and it doesn't, then it's, it's not because what you were looking at isn't deterministic. It's because you do not understand all the input. <laughs> well, that's... You miss something. You do not have the comprehension necessary to make the prediction and have it be accurate. And, and that's just the way it is. That's fact. So there's two, you know, there's two branches. One of them is essentially trying to close that gap when it comes to weather. And the second is showing up on TV and pointing at, you know, the teleprompter uh, overlaid green screen thing. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> and, and one group of people actually do science, and the other group of people are entertainers. When you really get down to it, they try to consume the science that's produced. Well, they said we were going to have negative six here, uh, basically now, right? Because we did. The, the, Northeast Tennessee is kind of funny. Our actual low temperature usually shows up about this time of day. Not at 4 o'clock in the morning, not at 5 o'clock in the morning, but, actually, but just after the sun comes up and you actually have daylight. And that's about now. So this is usually about the time that you'd see that. And they said it was going to be negative 6. Well, um, I have all sorts of automation at my house, and it is 11.5 degrees on the front porch. Um, that's a big miss. Well, are you sure they're not talking? I mean, here, if you were to talk to anybody, they've got everybody totally buffaloed into this. It's it's actually minus 40 because of the wind chill. Well, wind chill's not the same thing. No, this yeah. is actual temperature prediction was meg 6. With wind chill, there was a wind chill warning up because the, the expected wind chill, I mean, it's, the wind has been howling here overnight. The expected wind chill was going to be something like negative 25. Yeah, but I was explaining to uh, young Andrew, I said, you know, even though they're right in how it feels on your skin, it's not the same. If it's zero with a wind, with a wind chill of minus 25, it's not the same as minus 25. If you're minus 25, your car battery's down to like 20%. Your house, your house maybe has a problem. Your pipes are free. There's a big difference. You'd much rather oh, have. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. And it's like, you know, and, and just, I mean, I have a heat pump. Of course, it's got strips. And I have a gas fireplace that I can turn on as, you know, as a boost, right? 
um, which by itself is enough to make the living room area ridiculously toasty. So if I actually try to use it that way, I could get a fan out and uh, you know and, and essentially boost everything else. Otherwise, I'm going to have an 85 degree living room, and the rest of the house is going to be cold. Uh, but the, <laughs> the amusing part of it is that uh, you know I was expecting that uh, my my home control system would would start raising hell in the middle of the night that uh, you know the heat pump would not be able to keep up and uh, nope didn't happen uh, you know no no alarm going off in the middle of the night got up this morning took a look at it and I'm like oh that's uh, you know it's 11 degrees outside okay well that's the reason if it was neg six I guarantee you that I would have either been sleeping on the couch with the fireplace going or you know where I would have put it in okay go ahead and use the heat strips and I don't care about the power bill <laughs> what uh a heat pump gets you what? Forty degrees, fifty. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because the logic, what everybody will try to tell you, is that once you get down to you know just below freezing, twenty five ish thereabouts, um, they're a net lose compared with just using the heat strips, just using electricity to produce you know heat. Okay, that's that's BS with anything that's been made in the last fifteen twenty years. Um, it, it used to be true, but it's not anymore. And I have the data at this point that is absolutely conclusive. If I allow the system to run with the heat strips on, uh, I, I spend three times as much money. So it, even at this temperature, now the problem is is that the amount of, you know, the size of the unit uh, just is insufficient to extract enough heat from the atmosphere when it gets cold enough outside uh, to actually overcome you know, what comes in from the outside. So at some point, you're, you're stuck, and you have to use some sort of auxiliary source. But uh, I, I'm frankly astonished, because all the logic that I've been told over the years, uh, you know, the truth is something else. And once you have instrumentation, you can actually look at the data, you can see it. You can say, no, that's stupid. I'm going to program the system to not use those strips unless I physically tell it to, because otherwise, I'm just taking a vacuum cleaner to my wallet. Well, and here in uh, Chicago, for those that don't know, if you're extreme South Illinois, lower, you probably want to get a heat pump because, like I said, it gets you 40 degrees or something on the, on the upside, but it's also more efficient of an air conditioner, correct? It's the same unit? Uh, no, no, the air conditioner is the same efficiency. It, it, heat pump's just an air conditioner that runs the, the other direction. That's okay. all it is. Well, now, some of the bigger... Uh, if you're building a, a big home here in Chicago or the Burbs, and if you're going to do it right now. Uh, plus, you know what? You know what I've always been fascinated with, Carol, and I, because when I was remodeling houses back in the late 70s, um, I, I got really interested in passive solar. And talk about, talk about something that nobody even talks about anymore, which is probably the easiest thing to do to gain energy. Well, uh, but only when you're building. Yeah, only when you're building. Right. I mean, it's, it's worthless once the place is up because you, you, know, you just can't do it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the you know the, the, the back before everybody just grabbed a heat pump system or an air conditioner and threw it in the house, all homes were engineered that way so that their you know their exposure was such that in the summertime you didn't get heat gain because you don't want it, and in the wintertime you did because you do, and it made a huge difference. Uh, now nobody cares. And it's it's astounding the difference. I mean, it's it's just it's crazy. Nobody pays well, you can get there, there, anymore, and, there, and that is absolutely free. It costs nothing. Uh, it doesn't cost any more to build the house that way originally, and, and that energy gained in the wintertime is you know is yours forever. Uh, 
it's it's kind of interesting. You know, nobody cares about that stuff. One of the things that I think is is most interesting, though, with all this is that you know this this is about as far north as you can go and have essentially a heat pump only system and have it make any sense because Chicago, uh, you know, goes through weeks at a time in the winter where you have, you know, 11 degrees is your, is your normal temperature, right? I lived there for 13 years. Yeah. You need a dual fuel system once you get north of about here. You need something that you want the heat pump most of the time because when it's 30 and 40 degrees out, it's still cold as bleep, but you want heat in the house. And the heat pump is going to beat natural gas nine times out of ten during that period of time. But when it's five or ten degrees out, the heat pump is a well, that's what these, so these guys that natural gas for fuel. That's what these guys have been saying. Is you, if you do it now, you'd have a, a smaller natural gas furnace, and right. you might have uh, uh, water pipes under the floor in the kitchen and the bathrooms and so forth. So or you you essentially use that to bring the house up to forty degrees, and the heat pump does the rest. Yeah, it's a, it, it, but you want dual fuel. I mean, yeah. that's that's once you get north of about here, about uh, you know about Tennessee. Um, the, the heat pump's just not enough by itself, and so you need dual fuel. And there's there's quite a few people around here that have it, but it's shocking how many people don't. And um, you know, I mean, I don't. If it wasn't here when I put it in. Now, when the, this system fails because I have gas in the house, and actually the the feed pipe is right at the air handler in the basement, um, I'm I'm putting dual fuel in because there are times that gas is cheaper even here than running the heat pump is. Um, and you know, and I can't do it other than by turning on the fireplace. Uh, so you know, you do it manually. But uh, yeah, I mean, in most places, uh, the, the you know, it just depends on how cold it is outside. But it, the heat pump is a huge win when it's forty-five out. Right? I mean, it's it's a monster. It's not even close. You you can you can go ahead and use a natural gas if you want to, but you're going to pay more money. And all and what it really comes down to is uh, you know, what's the difference in cost? How long is it going to take to pay for it? Out of that, you know, it's the usual balancing act, right? Well, Kyle, I don't know if you've been listening this week, uh, but I've had some interesting conversations with different people. And, and the weird part is, even though we're in essentially an argument, we're both we're both saying the same thing, just picking up different vibes. And uh, well, first of all, I, I certainly I've been, I've been telling everybody all week you're going to be on. What what is this? What is the uh, the Philly Fed million people? I've sort of discussed it with a couple other people, but you're the guy who's the what, what did they come up with? Just the same stuff we're always talking about, basically, or uh, the, you know, the surveys aren't so hot and, and they're, they're skewed this way or that way. And when the market, when the economy's going down, you can't you know, pick up the numbers as well. I mean, is it is it just a sloppiness on there that, that they picked up on, or or is there something more there? Well, for the most part, okay. So there has always been, and I've I've noted this. You know, I mean, I've, I've this is this is a series that I have my own data set that goes back into right around 2000 that I actually have in a, in a spreadsheet. That's what I use when you know when I'm on Jobs Friday. Uh, I take their data and I pick it up and I put it in because if you use the the government's data, I've had this done to me before over the years, and so I don't trust them anymore. They not do it to me on the on this data set. The Federal Reserve Z1, for example, they have recategorized several times, and they screw up every piece of analysis you've been trying to do because they will move something from one place to another. Well, that, I, I'm sorry. When you go back and you do that retrospectively, you are going to hose anybody that's been trying to do analysis, and then it takes 
it takes an insane amount of time to get back to where you were, and I'm just not willing to put up with that risk. So I keep my own tables. But the what I have found over time is that in election years, in particular, there are deviations between the establishment data set and the household survey that I cannot explain as simple sampling errors. I, I absolutely believe that there is deliberate tampering that goes on within the BLS during the, the time that it's politically important to people. And, and I'm, you know, you're never going to convince me otherwise. I've seen it too many times. You can point to it. You can look at it. You, you know, oh, well, you know, that's an accident. Well, you know what? Accidents happen both ways. There is never a pattern to them. If you see a pattern, it's not an accident. Somebody's playing games. And so, you know, there you are. Um, but an awful lot of it is, in fact, the difference between the establishment survey and the household survey and its methodology. It's the same thing the CBO does. The whole reason you get budget projections out of the CBO that says we're going to have a, a deficit of this much every year. And they're always wrong. And they're always wrong the same way. They always understate what the actual deficit will be. And the reason they do it is because by law, the CBO has to assume that everything that's going to expire will expire, even if over the last 20 years it never has, and every single time Congress has extended it. <laughs> okay? Oh, yeah. still, by law, the projection they produce has to be done their way. So the BLS has the same sort of bias in it. Their survey is built to do a certain thing, and there is zero impetus within that agency to go back and find these sorts of anomalies that correlate with this, you know, with the changes in the economy. Just as an example, you know, you're talking about, okay, you know, you had people that always, they, they went down to fields and they got a job for, you know, for six weeks because from Christmas to New Year's, uh, you know, they just kind of enjoyed it. And, you know, yeah, it was a little extra pay. It was also an employee discount to buy their own Christmas gifts and things like this. Fine. Whatever. Well, guess what? That was before Amazon shipped virtually everything you're doing two days, right? Yeah. Well, okay, so that shift happened, but the BOS methodology around the holidays hasn't changed. And so you're telling me there's not going to be an inaccuracy in there? Well, of course there is. What you were doing in sampling was based upon, you know, the, the last 50 years of, of uh, that shifted. You didn't adjust your sampling in order to, you know, to account for this and your, your birth death adjustment, whatever have you. So, of course, there's going to be an accuracy there. And it always, it, it, somehow, though, magically, it always seems to make the administration look better than it really is. And, I, boy, that just, you know, random chance doesn't work like that. Um, so, no, I think some of it's deliberate, but some of it is also just a fact. It's, it's just a simple fact that if you call me, if I'm one of the people that get sampled, all they ask is, did you work at least one hour for remunerative pay in the last, you know, during this period? It's yes or no question. If it's yes, you have a job. If it's no, you don't have a job. Okay. The establishment survey says, how many people did you employ? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's for remunerative pay during this, and that's the number. So if I go to work for three different places, I count as three jobs in the establishment survey, I count as one job in the household. Okay. And that's and, and that's all it is. What um, I'm going to ask you because uh, shift gears annual, but I uh, you remember Eric? He's command. Uh, he'll be on maybe next week. But uh, 
the uh, professor over at Columbia. Um, anyway, his girlfriend's running for uh, uh, Alderman in Fifth Ward, down by Hyde Park. And she's, yeah. she, she's a terrific lady. Talk about, <laughs> she went, went to Washington to work for a bunch of guys, and like the people who uh, were, were accused of like sexual misconduct and stuff, she'd go, oh no, I know that guy. He had one girlfriend. He didn't mess around with anybody. <laughs> to be talk- she knows, let's just say she knows a lot about, about Washington. <laughs> but, but she's, and she was the head of the y- YWCA here for a while. I mean, really a comp- accomplished lady and smart as all get out. And uh, a, a, right. a, a good a good partner for Eric, who's, who's that way too. So anyway, we went to the thing, and one of the guys who was in the place is uh, his older attorney. He's retired, and he's uh, you know he, he's to the left of center, probably not crazed, but he's one of these kind of he's, he's sort of like you in a sense that he's everything's very rigorous. And he was giving me some grief because I guess he listens once in a while. He said, you know. You got to be real careful because people listen to you for some reason. <laughs> right. The reason is that you try and tell the truth, and so the people with you. But there's a big responsibility there. Always make sure that you are that you're correct, you know, and uh, so forth. And I said, well, I, I try and do that. And and uh, but you know, but the interesting part though, Carl, is a lot of of what I talk about, and and I I try not to generalize, but somewhere along the line, there's there's like there's like crossovers in in people's minds and. I want to run this by you because you're my, my one of my most uh, objective. If you know, I said something about well, you know people are pissed off at, at, at Congress because they're they're not doing their job. It appears that all they're doing is taking lobbyist money. And, and he says, "Time, you can't say that because eighty percent of the people who go there, maybe eighty-five percent, are just regular people trying to do a good job. So you can't." But yeah. Okay. Okay. Tell tell me about that in the context of the omnibus that just got. Well, passed. but I'm saying, but here, here's where I'm, and I said, but. Guy's name's Luke. I said, but Luke, you know, somewhere across the line. By the way, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. I should never accuse, say, everybody's like this, because I know they're not, and I, and I know, especially in places not like Chicago or New York, the people that go there actually are trying to do the, the damnest. You know, some, you know, the the, the the representative from some place in northern Indiana is going there to try and do a good job. I met some of these people. I used to go with the CBOE people, and they they seemed right as rain to me. I said, but somewhere along the line. When 15 people that are on the air that seem to be the people that have more power than they're supposed to have in a 435-person place, if they look like they're stealing and the other people uh, don't do anything about it and don't kick them out, or like the lady who traded on the COVID in the Senate, she didn't get right. voted, she didn't get sanctioned. She didn't. So, somewhere along the line, even though you may be the most honest person on earth, you're, you're tired with the same brush. You, you just are. And, and, and he, you know, and he looked at me like I had four heads. I said, "I'm not accusing that person." May I? The reason why I kind of know this is not know this, but my uh, stepfather, his my dad was a policeman. He died when I was four, so I didn't much chance to talk to him. But my stepfather's father was a Chicago cop as well, and he's retired. He's talked to me about. It. He said there were people they'd give me a partner, and I would never let him go in the house. I'd say, "You, you, you, you take the outside. I'll go in." And I go, "How come?" He goes. Whenever he did, he's walking out with a bottle of somebody's booze or something. I just I didn't want to be any part of that. Of course, he never he never turned him in, you know. But 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 my grandfather was you know he was as honest man as there could be. But he, you know, he just worked around people that basically shouldn't be there. So right. when you have a, a policeman or who does which is which is rare, I think again ninety percent of those people. I said when you have a policeman who does something really foolish. And all of a sudden, you, you see the record that the guy's been a bump for the 20 years he's been there, in and out of trouble. 
somehow or another, even it's not everybody else's fault, it sort of is. I mean, I, I don't know where you cross that line, but right now, the congressional people don't seem to be able to police their own. So, so they're being tarred with the same brush in today's media, maybe unfairly, but not totally unfairly. And I, like I say, I, I didn't disagree with the guy at all. Carl, yet all we were doing was arguing. It was, have you ever been in a situation like that? I mean, just we're just looking at two different things, and you know, e- even the Trump phenomenon. I mean, I've never seen a human being with an aversion to the truth like that guy. Yet, to people who like him, they they will say, "My girlfriend Audrey comes on the show." Every politician I've ever seen does nothing to lie to me. He just lied more. What's the difference? You know, and it, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't because I don't lie at all. So, so I, you know, that's, that's why I never have to remember what I said on the air. I figured I'd say the same thing the second time. Hey, you know, but, but I mean, it's somewhere along the line. Yes, to to to, to uh, say Trump is a liar and expect other people to not like him because of that when everybody's ever lied. I mean, Bush, no new taxes. Read my lips. I mean, Obama when it was Obama or somebody else, same thing. I mean, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that, and all of a sudden we do. I mean, they, 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 most people feel that every politician has lied to them from day one. All that goes up is their taxes, their services go down, their life continues to be worse if you're in a lower middle class, day after day after day. And for a politician to say, well, you got no right to accuse me of that, because I, I know was, I'm part of the solution, not part of the problem, but nothing ever changes. So I don't know, opine on this. How, how do you even have this argument? I mean, uh... When it's all, there's so different many sides to it. Well, that's the yeah. I think that's one of the big challenges is that uh, one thing that I that uh, I think this this latest fiasco that we just had happen in the Congress is emblematic of exactly how dysfunctional our government has become at a national level to the point that. Your your obligation to be a peaceable citizen no longer exists. I I, I truly believe this. What we just saw there, there is a there is a part of our constitution that people have no appreciation for, and yet it is one of the key items in the constitution. The way our government is crafted, and that is that no Congress can bind the next one to do anything. And this is one of the reasons that these 10-year budget projections are such nonsense, because they're complete trash. But, they, but everybody knows they're trash, because what Congress does today, when the next Congress comes in, which is the entire point of you being able to go and vote and, you know, and, and express your opinion at the polls, right? When the next Congress comes in, they don't have to pay attention to a single thing that the previous one has done. And that's, that is the entire point of citizen accountability from the, you know, from the people to the government. You don't like it, you get rid of the bum, and the next guy goes in, and they turn around and they change the law. Fine. What you saw happen yesterday has voided that. The omnibus has now taken this Congress's acts and extended them to September of next year, and there's no way to change it. Now, that is something that is absolutely unconstitutional, and it is cause for a revolution now, today. It has never happened before in the history of the country. It has never been done. Now, we've, we've had times that they've passed continuing resolutions to get us you know, through the holidays and into the new Congress. Never in the history of the United States has the Congress violated 
that basic principle of representative government, which is that today's Congress cannot bind tomorrow's. Well, what, Carol, well, well, let me ask you a question. Just a normal, nothing's normal these days, but the normal budgetary process, wouldn't this Congress approve next year's budget? Well, yes and no. So here's so normally what would have happened is this. You would have had the budget go through what's called regular order. There's a series of bills, I think it's 12 or 13 of them, that, that go through all the committees. They, it's, it's a months-long process that all happens before September 30th of the year. And, and that process is really, really important because it is, you know, when you, when you have a, a budget that is, you know, 3,000 pages, how do you, you can't read that in 24 hours. You can't, yeah. It's physically impossible for you to know what's in that thing before you vote on it. So regular order is how that is not, how it doesn't happen. Okay, it's how all the people within the, within the Congress actually know what they're voting on, and then they vote on it. Okay, fine. What we have now been doing for the last, you know, the, 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 this was happening when Trump was in office, too, so it's not just a Biden thing, is that, oh, we don't do that work. We're going to wait until the last possible minute, then we're going to produce this 4,000-page monstrosity, we're going to release it, we're going to suspend the rules that say that you can't force a vote on it within 24 hours, and then we're going to do that. Okay, wait, wait, wait. we're going to talk more about this after break, but real quick, who's the we? If it doesn't go through the committees, how does that, where does the 4,000 pages come from? Uh, good question. Very good question. Well, let's, let's, let's hold it after break. SP Futures up 6. SP Futures up 20. We dropped there just a little bit. We're just up 11. Now we're sinking here. But we'll be right, we'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamar Andrew on the board. Shall we say uh, yet another broken rally dream here, for God's sake. Durable goods came in. Minus 2.1. The worst, uh, sharpest decrease since April of 2020, and well above market forecast of a 0.6 decline. Was a slight increase in uh, spending, but a uh, the, the spend uh, I mean, uh, income, but the spending was uh, 0.1 versus 0.2, so then spending was bad too. So we have S&P futures now down 10, so we're down 20 from before break. Nasdaq futures down 43, down about 70 from before break. So we're not uh, we're not, not doing so hot here. Uh, we have. Uh, See individual stocks. I really don't have. I got Home Depot up three bucks. Got McDonald's up a buck thirty-three. Nvidia down a buck forty-eight. So not that much. The big one we've talked when we done with our other issue with uh, Carl. We talked to him about this Tesla because well, ouch. The Dow still still shows up, but I don't think they're up. These numbers are ten minutes delay. We're here. Up. We've got the uh, uh, Dax up fifty point four percent. FTSE up three. Call that flat. Kick around down one. Call that flat. We're in Asia. We've got the Nikkei. Down 272, 1%. Hang Seng down 86.4%, but still in the mid 19,000s, 19,593. Shanghai down 8, that's 0.3%. Yesterday we were, uh, it's going to be, these are hor- numbers are horrible, but they're at least 50% better than they were at the lows. Dow down 348, it was down 7 something. SP down 56, was down 110. NASDAQ didn't come back as much, down 233, that was 2.2%. We were down maybe 400 there, so. Uh, not quite as much of a bounce. Bonds up six basis points, 3.72. Bund up three basis points, 2.39. Japan uh, unchanged at 0.39. And we've got oil, which is a big mover today, up two bucks, 202 to 79.51. It's up 2.6%. Rent up a buck 92, 82.90. Natural gas down a penny, down under five bucks. So, nuclear gas bill, you should be even totally pissed, more totally pissed. Our Bob up five cents, 2.30. We've got gold. Uh, rallying here pretty good up 1160 silver up 33 cents 23.96 copper up 3 cents 378 I have a lot of clients that want to be in the metals next year I don't know I was, I was alone there a couple years ago and I wanted to be in there and I was I was early but it's moving up here I don't know how much it's becoming a little more of a crowded trade so I don't know about that I'll ask Carl about that as well the Bitcoin up 25 bucks 16,7891 and the US dollar very muted uh, Euros 106, uh, the pound 120, so nothing there. We have force traffic weather sports. By the way, we just ticked to minus 10 degrees, so we've seen the lows in the in the temperature, Andrew. <laughs> yep, yep. 
Uh, well, you said, is, it, is it getting any... Uh, Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, no, yeah, it was at negative uh, 10 degrees. Is it getting warmer? Is that no, we were, no, we were negative we 11. Now we're negative 10. Oh, okay, good, good. We're raising. Yep. <laughs> All right, but starting off with sports, uh, last night uh, in the NFL, the Jaguars beat the Jets and in the game at 19-3. to uh, But we can also look forward to the Bears playing the Bills tomorrow for a very chilly game at 12 p.m. And tonight, the Bulls are going to play the Knicks at 6.30. And the Grizzlies are going to play the Suns at 9 p.m. Chicago time. Now, finally, an HL. Uh, tonight, the Blackhawks play the Blue Jackets at 7.30. And the Kings play the Coyotes at 8.30. Now, yep, for Chicago weather, it is cold, snowy, and hopefully not too windy, but I think it is. Uh, but we're currently at, yep, negative 10 degrees, and today we're only be reaching a high of 1 degree. Uh, over in Phoenix, things are a lot more clear and same as they always are. It's 42 degrees, and they're going to have a high of 68. And now finally for Chicago traffic, uh, almost nearly the identical to the earlier hour, um, roads are a little slowed down, but also pretty empty. Uh, accidents have been coming and going pretty quickly. It seems like vehicles are spinning out, um, maybe losing control, but it looks like they're clearing up in terms of traffic pretty quickly. Uh, only thing to report is a vehicle spin-out uh, on the Stevenson I-55 uh, near County Line Road. So that's all I got. Carl, let's, uh, we're going to go through these numbers in a second. Let's finish our, our, our thoughts. So this is a, first of all, what, is, what does an omnibus spending bill mean versus a, a regular budget? All right, so an omnibus is basically a bill that takes what should have been that package of spending bills that all went through the committees. Uh, which whose job it is to you know to actually mark the stuff up and figure out what's going on, uh, and just throws it all in one great big pile. Uh, in this case, it was some four thousand pages, so close to an entire box of twenty-pound bond printer paper, um, and and then tosses it on the desk of the senators and representatives and says, "Pass this, or government shuts down," and you get, you get twenty-four hours before you got to vote on it. Well, you can't possibly go through and do that because every bill that goes through Congress, um, even back in the, when Obamacare was passed, that was several hundred pages. I stayed up all night to read it before it was voted on, uh, fueled by coffee. And you have to have a trading console like I have. With uh, I've got four screens that kind of wrap around me because all of these bills do something like, in this particular section of the code, of the United States Code, Delete this sentence and add these three. <laughs> okay, so that's the, that's the way it is. So you end up having to have you know fifteen windows open at once to figure out what something does because you have to look at all the references. There's no way to just read the bill and understand what it does. That's impossible. So, but on a four thousand page, you can't. I mean, it would take a month, okay, to to produce a reasonable analysis of this. This is why, in regular order, it does take a couple of months to do, because that's exactly what they do. So, omnibus short-circuits all of that. Who, who does do it? Who, they who does all it? this stuff together, and they say, vote it, vote it up, vote it down, that's it. There's there's nothing you can do. But who's there? And it, it, it it, well, the, the House and Senate leadership. Okay, this is McConnell, this is Pelosi. This is, but, here's the, but here's the thing in the Senate, all right? So, in the House... You know, up until the, the new Congress convenes, you have a Democrat majority. So if all the Democrats say, this is what we're going to pass, that's what's going to pass. But in the Senate, they had to take a cloture vote to start debate. 
You need 60 votes in order to do that because they've already used up their reconciliation option for this particular term of the Senate. So they could not force it through with 50-plus Kamala. They had to take a cloture vote in order to start debate. And you had a bunch of Republicans who are supposedly the party of fiscal restraint and doing things through regular order and the rule of law and all this, you know, those other claptrap, that voted yes to start debate on. Now, there's, and by the way, one of them's Rubio, who then, last night, there was a, a Republican group out tweeting that he voted against the final passage. I don't know. Uh, no, he voted for the bill because if they had not gotten to 60 votes on cloture, it would not have been passed at all. Okay, well, now we have uh, 400 some people in the House that are all on these committees. They're not all budget committees, but they all have right. they all have staff. They all have people, and all of a sudden it takes them you know a year to do this. Well, Pelosi or Schumer or McConnell, they don't have the staff to put together a 4,000. Where does it come from? It comes from the lobbyists who say, I want this, and that's what they get. But who, but who even... And so what you, what you saw was, what you saw happen was under, and, and by the way, bring Zelensky over here to give a speech to Congress to basically try to browbeat people into passing this thing because there was another $40 billion worth of money being pissed down that rat hole. Right, I, I'm just, uh, I, 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 I err on the side, and I know I aggravate my, my terrific guests, you included, but I just, I'm, I'm a procedural, why, why am I such a procedural guy? I never used to be like this, Carl. I want to know how the hell, if the, if the committees don't, their job is to do this. I don't How does a lobbyist... Where is the thing even being collated? Where is it being printed? I mean, I don't. I mean, what, the Pelosi might have. Chief, th- Chief, that's the whole problem. There's no collation that's going on. So you have you have stuff like there's two million dollars in this bill for, for to create a hiking trail that has Michelle Obama's name on it. I, 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 I mean, I think I don't get the enormity of that, but I get that. But I think still, if if it's not the committees, somebody somewhere there's a man behind the curtain that said. This is in, this is in, this is in. It takes the whole box if he can carry it and lugs it someplace. Who the hell's that guy now? Or person? I, you know, I, good question. And you'll never get an answer to it because that is that is what regular order is supposed to do, is delegate this for each particular area of the budget, each kind of spending, each department, into a group of people whose job it is in the committee to oversee this stuff and do it. But if you and I are... are yeah, but that's all gone now. It's, it, and that's, but that's the way we've been doing this now for the last 10 years. And it's not just a Republican thing or a Democrat thing. It's both sides. Well, if I... If it's Carl and Chief sleazy lobby firm, okay, uh, how do we know in, in this kind of a process, at least in the regular process, I know i got to get to... Representative Danny Davis, because he's on that committee. He's concerned about right. minority crap, or he's concerned about something. He's concerned about infrastructure. And if, and if I'm a, a guy who has a, uh, you know, I want to do a repair of a bridge, and I see a couple bridges or whatever, whatever it is, I have to find that guy's aid. I get, I'm not saying it's it's a good system or whether I like it or not, but at least there's a there's a process to it. But how do how do Carl and Chief Sleazy Lobby? How do we even find out who the guy is now that that is going to put our stuff in there? Where where is it even being done? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I it just, I, the, that's the thing, is that trying to figure out, I mean, obviously the guys on K Street know exactly who to call, right? And who to go meet with. 
But, but I mean, yeah, I just, trying to untangle this and who got that in there and who did this and who do I punish at the next election? Forget about it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, what, what, what you said when, when, I, when I, you said it, you don't know you said it maybe, but when you said here's the regular way of doing it and here's the finished product from some other place, my, my mind immediately went to, where's the other place? <laughs> well, yeah, I, exactly. And I, and I just... You know, I just look at this as as that we have that we have allowed this to happen on both sides of the aisle. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican; it doesn't make any difference. That this has become how the federal government operates, and that we, as the people of this country, have allowed this and haven't haven't gotten very French about our reaction to it is an outrage. And the idea that we are going to sit here. And now we're going to go through the next seven or eight months, even though the, the Congress is turning over, you know, in another two weeks, that we're going to sit here and do this and, and allow this to go forward is crazy. And those and the reality of it is, is that the Senate is supposed to be the more deliberative body and is supposed to be the body that stops this. Because this kind of thing coming out of the House is not at all uncommon throughout the history of this country. It's, it, it, it happens all the time. That's what happens when you have the people's representatives who said, you know, passions tend to run higher. The Senate, the whole purpose of the Senate is to be the more deliberative body and to stop that sort of nonsense. And what McConnell has done here, personally, what McConnell has done is nuts. And that these, that these people are actually getting away with it. You know, he actually gave a speech a couple of days ago that he said that the thing, the most important thing that Republicans care about right now is giving money to Ukraine for their war. It's not inflation. It's not the fact that, that we just had a, a durable goods report that essentially collapsed. Yeah. By the way, I read that over the break. Okay, it, it's it's it has not it has nothing to do with what's going on in the domestic economy. The most important thing for Republicans. And this, this came out of the, yeah. the minority leader's mouth. The most important thing is funding this war over there in Ukraine, and therefore, by God. We're going to pass this thing. We don't care what else is in it. As long as that money for Ukraine is in there, it's going to pass. Well, I mean, I, okay, so they, again, why am I on procedure today before Christmas? I'm going to keep asking you because you're the only person I know who maybe knows the answer to this. Okay, so the thing passes. Now, it's, it's 4,000 pages that nobody's read. But right. now but now somebody has to read it. If, if, if Chief and, 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 uh, and, and Carl Sleazy, Law, Sleazy Lobby gets you know the, the the bridge or something for for Andrew's construction firm to build I'm not gonna just who do I even go to to say hey read page 3440 I want my check I mean, I mean you got I mean, even do we have enough people that the reason why I ask is uh Trump this whole thing about his tax returns you know blah 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 blah, right. blah. well evidently I was reading some article the other day and, and correct me if I'm wrong in some law, I'm going to say like this, although it probably wasn't 4,000 pages, someplace somewhere, our Congress, our guys, passed a law that says the IRS is, is charged with auditing every single president's tax return every year. That's, that's correct, yes. And yet, the law was passed in 1977. They've never once done it. Right. Well, how many, how many people, how many little things in this bill... Checks to be written, or or something, or or this little project, or Obama, uh, Michelle Obama's, you know, hiking trail. That I'm sure there, I don't know if there is one. Uh, how is it Michelle Obama's job to say, "Hey guys, I'm on I'm on page 2502. What about my check? What is this? I don't see to be out here making a trail. I mean, how how, did, how how much of this is ever even going to be read or talked about? 
well, only, only the people who wanted it, which will make sure that they, you know, whoever it was that that uh, squeezed this thing into, you know, whatever the thing is, right, whether it's a hiking trail or whatever, that guy's going to be banging on the door for 10 minutes after it passed. Well, what door do you bang it, at? It, you don't even know who did it. Well, I understand. Well, the people who did it know who did it. <laughs> hey, I mean, I, I, I'm going to guess. I, mean, I don't know who did it, Chief, but the guy, the guy who got it in there, okay, whoever it was that you know that got uh, that got the, the hiking trail put in, certainly knows that he did it. Well, the only thing I'm going to say that I would I would bet you know my last my last shekel on is I'm going to say that, say Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, has a staff of 50 people or something. Right. I'm going to say 35 of them are watching everything that has to do about her. And making sure that every right. you know every there, there's no way that that her staff is capable of, of putting this thing together. Neither is Schumer or McConnell's or anybody. I mean, I, I don't, I just, I can't even believe where it comes from. It must be committee stuff from a couple of years ago. They just, they just added a number to it and passed it through again or something. It must be that half assed Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just nuts. Okay, it's just nuts. All right, shift over to, well, if you, if you don't mind, what. What is you? You and I have opined me more than anybody. Is it I, this this Tesla phenomenon from day one, where they were worth like every other firm, t- more than every other auto firm combined? And uh, and and I, I kept looking at the money they were getting from all these other firms, thinking, well, if this that ever stopped, it's gonna look like these guys ever made any money. You know, but Tesla's a big favor to some of the groups that I, I manage money for, and you know, I was never all that heavy-handed on it because I I really didn't know what their future was and how much, right. but. Now all of a sudden, they're down seven hundred and seventy-three billion dollars in market cap in one year, and it doesn't even look to me to be a buy here. I, what was I the only one that was questioning this thing, or, or was this? No, I, I. You know what? I've I've written multiple articles about the fact that that, that entire company is a house of cards, and the only reason that it has managed to has existed for two reasons, right? Since it was originally formed, and the first one is the the cheap money allowed them to continually. You know, go to the well and get funding, and 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 blow it without a concern as to whether or not they were actually turning a profit. And then the second thing that Musk did, and he's very good at this, is he managed to essentially force you when you when you went and bought your suburban, you paid him, yep. even though you didn't buy his car. Okay, and that's that's this whole carbon credit nonsense that goes on with you know with back and forth with fuel economy standards with the vehicles, and he get GM has to buy them or Ford has to buy them because their fleet doesn't meet the averages. They have to buy the the, the credits, and guess who they give the money to? Right, yeah. the the guy who, the guy who doesn't burn any gas. So that's that's how this has happened. The problem with these companies, and his is the, the, the Tesla is by no means the only one, is that when you have an environment like this, oh, well, look at Amazon. Look what's happened to them over the last 12 months. When the cost of money stops going down and the rollovers stop being something you can do and take out another million dollars and, and the nut that I have to pay to keep that out is less, when that stops happening, and now the next million dollars cost more instead of less. All of a sudden, those economics disappear, and the ability to make to make money doing that disappears. And because the entire thing was fake, you were basically leveraging off all the funds that the Fed was putting into the system. And and the reason the Fed was putting it into the system, and and don't ever let anybody tell you that otherwise, because this is always the truth, is because Congress is spending money they don't have, right. which inevitably. You know, we all know should show up immediately in inflation, right? 
The only reason it didn't is trade sequestration overseas. That's gone because we now have a war going on and we're sanctioning people left, right, and center who might be on the wrong side of it. So now people do not want to hold dollars. They want to be paid in their local currencies. And so the sequestration that used to take place through international trade is gone. So now we have this showing up in the durable goods numbers. Uh, and, and, and those numbers are pretty nasty. What I'm seeing, the, the two thing, I used to look at this report every single month because it was a leading indicator. When I was running my internet company, this was a big deal. I always looked at two lines in there that nobody pays attention to, and that's computers and electronics along with communications equipment. And you can tell whether or not people are going to hire or fire based on that line item alone. Well, I looked at. I'm not ordering computers and communications equipment. I'm not hiring bodies. Well, you're you're you're, of course, light years ahead of me by being, uh, into in that end of the, the spectrum. I did something old school the other day and looked at the rail car. By the way, the S and P futures went from down twenty to up twenty, and now they're unchanged. So we're yeah, all over the place. Bunch, yeah. So, but I I looked at rail car loadings, which you know, old school right. guy. And I'm, we're we're down on the year from last year. We're down seven percent in containers. How can when you're coming off a COVID year and you're having this the economy how you down right? The economy that's you know opening up, doing this, doing that. How the hell can we be down? Not, and not well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I see here in, inside this durables report is I see a flat, not a declining, but I see a flat labor market. Yeah, I do. And, I that's do too. In, and that's in the computers and related products and communications. Okay, it's not, it's not a collapse, but it is, it is not a positive trend. Uh, plus, the people being laid off are nowhere near c- capable, or where do they want to take the jobs that are being offered? Yeah, but I mean, like, I, you know, just looking at, like, you know, you look in here, you look at primary metals, for example, which you know, I mean, that's that's what goes into the manufacturing of anything, right? The last three months, those figures are essentially flat. It's essentially, it's it's it, for all intents and purposes, it's an inch. It's down four tenths of a percent, but it, but uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's an inch. Same thing with fabricated metal products. There's there's not a lot of movement here. There's not a lot of improvement. Machinery, uh, you know, machinery is up a little this month on new orders. Shipments are down a little, you know, and 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 and. But it's it's wavering around. It's not a big positive thing. And so, you know, and then when it, but when you look at these things, you, you know, you look at like transportation equipment, okay? Transportation equipment, new orders for this, for this last month essentially collapsed. But where that all came from was non-defense aircraft. In, in motor vehicles, it's down a little. It's yeah. down a tenth. But it's not down a lot. Right, ma- ma- Maven of the New World, computers and chips and so forth, explained to this grumpy old trader... If you would have told me, put it, I mean, you, you're Milton Friedman sitting up there handing me out a test. If you would have told me three years ago that somehow or another we're going to have this massive problem with things called chips to where your, your automobile is going to go up 30 or 40% because they can't get chips, maybe right. 25 or 30. Everybody, everything you, you touch, everything you buy is costing more because of chips. My thought would have been my oh, my old school thinking would have been, man, these dudes are making a fortune on whatever the chips they come up and they can charge whatever they damn well please. How is it that two and a half years later all the chip companies don't seem to be making any money and they're all flat on their ass? Well, what what am I missing? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I mean, it's I think the, the the problem fundamentally is that there's there's a collapse point with any 
with any commodity, there's a point where you can't charge more money because people just won't pay it. There's, they don't have the ability to sell that through into the market and make a profit at it. And so, you know, and then, then you have just flat-out shortages, which, uh, you know, your basic economics says that shortage, shortages solve themselves because the price goes up, right, which incentivizes more production. Uh, it, it, that assumes that there is some work for the production to take place. And one of the big things that we've done by extending the supply chain stuff into China and everything is that we don't have alternatives. It's there or it's nothing. And so when things get disrupted over there, the answer is nothing. That's a problem. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Try to go into a Ford or Chevy lot and buy a base pickup truck. Yeah, forget about it. Forget about it. And I mean, the only ones they produce are the ones that are 80 or 90 grand. Or more, right? Exactly. You want a work truck? Uh, yeah, okay. You'll get it in two years. But I would have, I would have guessed if you would, if you would have told me the news in in 2019 about this massive chip shortage, I immediately would have bought Micron, Intel, Nvidia, and a couple more. And yet, I'd be down on every single one of them. Yeah, you'd be losing money. Exactly. Well, it's, uh, there's just there's there's no the, the production capacity isn't there, and there's nowhere else to move it to. It's, it just set up a, a a fab to actually make these chips. Is, is a many billion dollar and many year enterprise and it ought to have been done here in the United States we we instead decided that we were going to put it literally in a communist country which is crazy well but you would expect with the price of the pickup going up 20 grand that the reason would be is Ford is paying 8 grand more for the chips and evidently that never happened but they didn't happen. You're right. No, what happened is they just couldn't get them at all. So then they they put an extra twenty grand on the sticker because it's a market price adjustment. Yeah, it's a right. It's. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I think in the Chicago area, I'm, I'm, I you know, my math here is probably fuzzy because I'm doing it in my head. But the amount that gasoline has gone down in the last four months, the average homeowner homeowner in town is probably paying at least that in higher utility bills. Even, oh, though, yeah. even though the price of natural gas is back down under six bucks. Well, you know, it's 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 funny because that depends very much on where you live. I mean, I you know, I have a bunch of people on my system that you know they they read my stuff and they comment on it. So there's a fairly lively and uh, widespread diversity of of uh, you know what you got for utility bills and stuff like this. And there's a number of people that have seen clean doubles. Yeah, just, just so far. All right, and I mean, we're not even to the meat of winter yet, and they've already got clean doubles. My kilo, my per kilowatt hour cost here is is what it was in 2019 and 2020. It, it went up by one penny to 11 cents. Now it's back down to 10. Yeah, but don't then don't they uh, they didn't do the Camelot Edison part where all of a sudden now your customer charges 50 bucks a month if you don't use anything or any that kind of stuff. Because no, you know what's interesting about Tennessee, and this is this apparently is a state thing at the regulatory level. Uh, when I lived in Florida, you had an energy charge, you had a fuel cost adjustment. Which, which of course, you know, for the most part, was about natural gas, right? Because yeah. that's, you know, that's what moves around a lot. Uh, and then you had a distribution charge, and then the meter, you know, basically the, you know, you're charged for the box and the meter and the, you know, the drop from the pole to yeah. or underground to your house. And all of this was broken out. Here, here you have your base fee. It's it's like twenty two dollars to have the meter and the, you know, and the line at the house. And then it, you have an energy charge, and it does not get, you know, and then tax, of course. It does not get broken out by generation, distribution, everything else. You, you can't disentangle all of it that's going on within TVA because TVA supplies basically. Well, all you're basically twenty-two bucks. Twenty-two bucks for being a customer. That's like less than half of here. 
Yeah, I mean it's 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 like twenty. It's not very much. It's like twenty two dollars. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. It's, you know, but it's it's yeah. And it, that's just to be a customer. That's to you know have the meter read and you know get your. Which of course now is all remote. They don't send a guy out anymore because it's they've all got smart meters. Well, that's true. Carl, why don't you have a very good Christmas, bud? One of these days, I want to see. Yeah, Mary, Merry see Christmas it. to you and everybody that uh, that's listening. And we'll do uh, we'll do Happy New Year next Friday. Eh? You bet. All right, take care. SP futures up fifty cents. We've been all over the place. Now we're fifty cents. As that futures unchanged, who knows? It'll be unchanged all day. Uh, back on Tuesday, stacks and jacks. What's happening? Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.